Yo! Welcome back, everyone, to the newest episode of The Pixelists. And that's us. We're The Pixelists. I'm Will. That's Blake. And uh, we're here to talk all things nerdy. But in particular, today, we're talking some Critical Role Campaign 3. I always love it. Me too. We're, you know, we're, we're on a bad adventure. Yeah, yeah. Getting together, talking some D&D. Uh, especially for me, the day after a D&D session with some friends. So I know. I, I want to hear about your session. We haven't talked yeah, about yeah. it yet. Oh. The more D&D in my life, the better. So happy to be here. And uh, welcome to all you guys who are watching the channel. And uh, excited to uh, share in some camaraderie as we discuss some critical roldom on the <laughs> podcast today. That's right. And uh, bro, I'm just excited because it's uh, every time after the the last Thursday of the month where they don't have an episode, it feels like it's been months since we've done this. But I mean, I guess it's been two yeah, weeks. Well, and it's maybe three. later It's later than we normally post an episode because, um, you know, it was like another five hour episode, which is great. I love having that amount of content, but it feels like the longer the episode the more time it takes for us to finally like sit down and do it. So yeah. it's been an off week and then we're into the next week. So it's been a while. Yeah, it has. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, as they do in critical role, it's been a while. <laughs> it's so, been a while. <laughs> yeah. It has, but yeah, so it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you, man. I've uh, missed this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, today okay. it, it was, <laughs> it was episode 15, I think. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, are, well, We'll talk about this later, but uh, the first Robbie free episode. So that it was. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I shouldn't have brought that up yet. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Too um, soon. Too soon. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I guess without further ado, um, those of you that have been waiting for this episode, thanks for waiting, I guess. Um, just thanks for being here. For anyone who's listening, you know, can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts in the comments. <laughs> thanks for being here. We've been great. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what is that well, from? grubs yeah that's right okay yeah anyway great show we might have to do like a rewatch podcast on that or something maybe yeah anyway i digress um so if you're new to us the thing we like to do before jumping into the discussion is giving a recap of each episode so we're going to jump into that and if you happen to be watching that recap right now on youtube um we do so we split out the recap and host that separately just for convenience sake so if you find yourself on the recap video and you're like hey those two bearded gentlemen have some interesting thoughts you can check out our theory crafting and our proper discussion of the episode um in our full podcast which we'll link below or in the comments or somewhere right. you know how, you know how it goes uh, like but anyway the, yeah the bearded fellows yeah, should we change? Should we rebrand? We <laughs> rebrand. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I guess let's. You've already done your intro for the recap, so. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's jump into it. Uh, and again, this was episode fifteen. Uh, we actually have the title because we're doing this a little bit later. Uh, the tunnels below. Um. So yeah, let's jump into this. So, the episode picks up at Estros Manor, where basically everyone had been previously. You know, saying goodbye to. Um, Dorian and because of the late night uh, everyone actually just took a long rest at Estros's they stayed in his guest rooms and so they wake up the next morning kind of come downstairs for breakfast and everyone's basically catching up and uh, Chetney kind of reveals I mean I think he was clearly joking but reveals that he put a trap on the toy boat that he gave Dorian and set it to blow up but first teleport him to them so that he could see them one last time before he dies and um, <laughs> speaking of toys, he also reveals that he has uh, completed Ashton's toy. And yeah. it's this uh, wooden hand that has movable fingers. And uh, I think Ashton immediately makes it give the middle finger or he there's all, at least there's did all that sorts soon. of things that the group does with it. Uh, yeah. Matt's chagrin. <laughs> He's just like, oh, man. And so. it, and it, uh, I don't think this was, you know, an intentional reference or anything, but it reminded me of the legend of Vox Machina from episode one that, uh, you know, they cut the guy's hand off and like Grog's playing with it. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was funny. Um, but anyway, so they're having breakfast and Estros, uh, arrives and they basically start talking about the events of the night prior, what they were able to do, were they able to accomplish their goals? Um, they were able to get the ring on Armand. So that was a success. Um, and they were able to tie the nightmare King with the Paragon's call. Um, 
So that was another new lead that they had. Um, but they're like, wait, the old <laughs> ring from Armand, like, what should we do with that? Is that going to get us in trouble? And so they kind of debate what to do with it. But ultimately, they give it to FCG to eat it. And he does. Um, also, while they're catching up, Fern asks Estrosh about uh, Mistress Orlana Sadri, um, who is a woman they saw talking to Gavis and Armand, I believe, during the ball. And he just says that, you know, she's from a middle Mahan house and, you know, not someone you would normally expect to appear at the quorum. Um, that's pretty much all they have there. Uh, then the party fills him in on Lady Emoth and how she was, you know, duggerfied, basically. Right. And he, Estros, reveals about her that um, she was a part of a Mahan house, but they migrated after the Apex War and they've been on the outside looking in ever since. And they've been looking for a way back in. Um, and he's like, so she saw you, right? And they're like, yeah. So, and she got away. So now they know, Emoth knows who they are. So they've got that kind of on their back. Um, Ashton brings up that General Ratanish basically knows that they were the ones that attacked the moon tower. Um, but he seemingly is not going to do anything about that. Um, and finally, Chetney asks Estros about uh, Ajit Dial and Estros says that he's a philanthropist, oversees this place called Dial Hall, and Estros knows of him but does not know him. But his reputation is good and possibly too good. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I see. Yeah. And uh, then Estros also does reveal that uh, the little sample of ooze that they had brought him previously after fighting Duggar that he you know did his CSI tests on it yeah. and it <laughs> it basically came back that it's just like an excretion similar to what the shade creepers excrete that helps them kind of travel through those small tunnels and that's basically all they could find out about it um so you know after kind of catching up on all the events and everything they realize they probably need to lay low for a bit um so it could be the perfect time to head to the Hartmore for Ashton's gig from Gianna Hexum. So they were like, okay, let's do that. And so they decide to head to Gianna Hexum's. Um, on the way, however, these uh, two green cloaked figures kind of walk up beside them while they're traveling, one half orc and one a gnome, uh, Gus and Ollie, respectively, um, kind of stop them and get to talking. And these are obviously members of the Green Seekers. Um, they have a bit of small talk and eventually they decide, Hey, like, let's go over to this park and like actually have a conversation. Um, so they do just that. And Gus casts this like bubble spell that like deafens the outside world. So they have like a very private space to kind of talk freely. And they just reveal that, you know, they're the green seekers and they're investigating a lot of weird things in the city and the party keeps popping up amongst their investigations. So they right. are some high people of interest. Um, so basically we just have a long scene of the two parties, the green seeker and the hell's bells, uh, exchanging information. And, uh, our, our party is actually pretty truthful. They, um, they don't try to like lie and weasel. They kind of are very earnest with their information and a bit of trust is built between these two parties and they ultimately decide that they maybe could work together and the party gets really excited about this they're like oh are we honorary green seekers are we deputies and uh gus is like no and then he's like not yet or something and they're like yet and so they get real excited and um they're basically after all the information is shared they the main lead they have is okay well let's go check out the mines because these green seekers have access to the underrush mines. And again, the party filled them in on the whole Duggar lady Emoth thing. So the fact that the shade creepers and underground seems to be a hot lead, that's why they're deciding to go check the mines. And uh, Gus reveals that he does have an in that he can get us in the underrush mines. And how about we all go together, investigate this, see if we can bring some information back to those who hired us because you guys, meaning the party, was like their number one lead. So if we're not bringing you in, we need to bring something else in. So right. help us investigate and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the party does ask, well, who are you working for? And they they won't reveal that yet. They say they need to build some more trust first. So yeah. the plan is to head to the mines together. And so the party's putting on the heart the Hartmore plan on hold for now. And they decide to make their way to the Underrush Mines. And they basically get there. And Gus is like, okay, let me take care of this and says, you know, I need to speak to Agda's. Um, and 
Ogdes is retrieved and he comes out and he's like, oh, Gus, it's been a long time. And Gus is like, hey, I need a favor. And Ogdes just laughs. And that's basically where we go to break if you want to take it from there. Yeah, yeah. So we come back from break and um, Ogdes is being real obstinate with Gus being like, yeah, it's interesting to see here. You know, it's been a while and just being very coy and like the party's kind of trying to figure out like, What's going on with these two guys? Um, and Ogdis <laughs> is sort of like the one of the foremen of the Underrush Mines. And Gus uh, is kind of being like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of averting his gaze. And um, the party kind of starts figuring things out here. And they actually start, they actually explicitly ask like, hey, are you two guys? And Ogdis um, <laughs> is kind of like, like, oh, yeah, I mean, we definitely were something until Gus pretty much dropped everything. And um Gus is like, you know, I told you that my work takes me everywhere. And um, all this to say, August is basically like, yeah, I'll help you guys um, if you apologize. And also <laughs> if you give me my stuff back, basically. Well, FCG decides to, in typical FCG, his purpose fashion, decides to step in and be a therapist for their relationship. And so he sort of coaches each one of them to share their feelings. Um, we find out that Agnes is still a bit bitter about how things ended. They were together about 10 months and then uh, Gus just sort of moved on abruptly. Ghosted. Yeah. And, um, you know, Gus basically apologizes for not living up to um, the expectations that August had in the relationship. And August is, is kind of like, you know, it's not good enough. I want you to hurt a little bit. And so Fern actually goes up to Gus and slaps Gus. And it's kind of like, yeah, so how's, <laughs> how's that? Um, so they build a little camaraderie. Um, August, who was really standoffish to like, who are these people, kind of likes this whole conversation and says, you know what, I'll, I'll give you guys a hand. Um, and they start, they start talking about like, hey, do you know anything about like what's going on in the mines? Like, is there been anything weird happening? And he's like, you know, not anything like weird, but one large section of the mines has been closed down for a few months now, uh, the crown set cavern and the foreman of those, of that section of the mines has been pretty aloof. Like he kind of just is in his office all day. You never see him. Um, it's been really shady. And so they're like, well, Hey, can you take us to meet him? Uh, and his name was, uh, Shotan either brew or Bruo. Yeah. Um, but Shotan, uh, is his name. And he's like, yeah, I'll lead you there. So they go down through the mines, uh, past some guards, like some some uh, kind of guards of the mine, uh, not yep. the uh, not the uh, whatever they're called. And um, they get to Shotan's office, bang on the door. It's a dwarf. He's like, I'm busy. Go away. <laughs> and Octus is like, it's me. Like, open up. Like, there's some people who want to talk to you. And uh, he's very resistant to open the door. And finally, Octus is like, I have some people here. Um, they're representing the Shande Quorum. They want to ask you some questions, which I don't know if that was like just a cross in, in communication or if that was a reveal of this is who the Green Seekers are working for. But yeah. ultimately, Shoten opens the door with a book in his hand and he's like this portly, sweaty, kind of gross dwarf. And his office has like this thick smell of just body odor of like someone who's just been like, Broing out in, in a, in a room for, yeah for way too long yeah yeah there's a couple of socks on the anyway doesn't matter <laughs> but so the party they're immediately like um you know like hey we want to ask you some questions and he's extremely put off by this and so much that actually Laudna tries to intimidate him and i think rolls a natural 20 yep he freaks out falls back bangs his head and gets knocked unconscious um <laughs> Imogen picks up the book and realizes this is a fan fiction that this guy is writing about um, explorers finding a new world, uh, and it's really terribly written. Um, <laughs> the office itself, oddly enough, is missing any um, like personal effects, which is strange for someone who's kind of like living out of this office. Um, and they look also for any shade creeper holes, and they don't find any. Well, they decide to. Oh, and then actually, Chetney searches. Um, uh, Shotan's pockets and finds a little satchel of 30 platinum, which he quickly pockets. FCG heals Shotan, wakes him up, and they begin to question him, like, what's going on here? Like, what do you what's going on with the uh the crown set cavern? And he's like, Oh yeah, there are some people who were sick. Like, we just wanted to be close it as a precautionary method. 
Well, FCG does detect thoughts and actually goes really deep, pushes deeper into this person's thoughts and finds out that this person is panicking, like really freaking out about like, who are these people? Like if they know what I know, like I'm going to be killed. Um, very similar to like the warehouse early on in the campaign. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And he's just, he's like, you know, I can't tell them. So he's actually like lying to them. Um, but FCG basically in his memory sees that it was really the Treshy house that organized the closure of the crown set cavern and agreed to pay this gentleman 30 platinum every other week just to make sure that it stays undisturbed for the foreseeable future. Uh, and they really confront him about this. In fact, Gus actually is pulling back his fingers and actually breaks his hand uh, in Oof. trying to get like this confession out of him. Well, so finally, this guy who's very cowardly agrees to take them to the crown set cavern, leads them down that way. There's like this large cage that descends down into the cavern. And before they get into it, Gus actually casts what seems to be charm person and is like, you know, don't tell anyone that we were here. Like, just keep watch. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> hey, thanks. My hand actually, it's, you know, it's, it feels really hor uh, horrible, but I'm sure it's going to be great soon. <laughs> yeah. I think Matt said he rolled like a natural one on his save for that. <laughs> yeah. They get into this cage and it's a really tight fit and they descend for 15, 20, 30 minutes in just pitch black darkness. Um, they get to the very bottom. Fern jokes that the gate won't open up on this cage. <laughs> and um, it's pretty low lit, pretty hard to see anything. They step out into this cavern and they immediately pick up on tons of shade creepers that are just sort of skittering around deep down. And not just like the typical shade creepers, but like the mutated-esque shade creepers that they're familiar with um, that are different from like the typical like rodent-esque shade creepers that people know of. Uh, they get into a combat scene with about 15 Shade Creepers, which I thought was really awesome considering, you know, just, you know, 10 episodes ago, like four or five was a challenge. Now yeah. there's 15 of them. And uh, it's a pretty awesome combat scene. Um, I won't get too into it. There's a couple of like really cool flavor moments like Orm just flat out like one shots one, which is really great. Gus actually casts Fireball and yeah. just obliterates a handful of them. Uh, Imogen casts, uh, I can't think of what it's called, but like a lightning storm that does damage to them. And actually, um, Ashton has his time berserk that causes them to have like half speed when they're moving into him. And so um, some of them can't even reach him and get stuck in the storm. All this to say, it's a pretty fun combat scenario. Everyone has like a really nice flavor that happens. Uh, Ladna casts Eldritch Blast with like pate like pretending pate is casting <laughs> yeah. it which was really fun um after about an hour of the episode this combat ends and they decide okay you know what um and they actually hear other shade creepers that were heading towards them that after like the chaos of the combat have now chosen to like skitter away and they're pretty clear that like hey whatever stealthy approach we had before we really don't have it anymore but chetney says you know what i'm gonna sort of scout ahead just to make sure like that we're good um, he goes ahead about 60 feet and in this room, this cavernous room with some pillars, he sees this large cocoon on the wall that some shade creepers are like pawing at and trying to get it to open and splitting out from it is a naked lady Emoth, um, who's sort of like half humanoid, half goo esque. <laughs> yeah. And, um, just looks real, almost like she's like regenerated in this pod. He goes back, talks to them. Oh, and she has like these like sp these open holes on her back that are sort of like opening and closing like they're breathing. It's very grotesque. Ugh. Goes back, tells the party. They're like, okay, this is our chance. Like, let's get in there and take care of her. And this whole time they've been smelling the same like musty, earthy, um, almost like rotten smell. It's very thick down here. And they're like, okay, let's get in there and let's let's take care of this like once and for all. So they decide to have this diversion where Chetney's going to go to the far side of the cavern, distract the shade creepers, and then Gus is going to open with the fireball and just like blow these guys to high hell. Um, they agree to do this. They follow through with the plan. Chetney goes to the far side of the cavern and makes a noise. Gus fireballs. And actually, I'm pretty sure there were not just shade creepers, but also like other humanoid-esque cocoon people. Um, something to that effect that they were they started to notice as well. 
But Lady Emoth actually is missing. And Chetney, being on the far side of the cavern, sees another chamber that he goes into. And there is a, a couple of tables with people who are um, sort of tinkering at stuff with. And Lady Emoth is there as well. And essentially says, Mother, we have company. And above her on the ceiling is this long, I think it was like 40, 50, 60 foot slug-like, like I think of like queen-like larvae, yeah. you know, egg body with a humanoid upper like torso coming out of it and a female humanoid-esque creature Ugh. with long 10 to 12 feet arms, claws, um, Matt described it as a, a crown of bone and like ragged hair, like a lion's mane or like a horse's mane and, um, uh, rows of sharp fangs. But, uh, Emoth says, mother, we have company. And that's where the episode ends. Thanks for the nightmare fuel, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to check out our thoughts on this episode, make sure you check the episode description below. If you're watching just the recap, um, will my man. What a crazy episode. <laughs> it was, man. I that that creature at the end, I was imagining like uh you know like an angler fish that has like the thing with the light. I was imagining like that's kind of what the humanoid thing was. I mean, it's probably not, but that's like what was painted in my mind, like this yeah. grotesque creature that kind of uses the human as like a doll to trick people or something. Yeah, but I'm anyway, sure there's like a Resident Evil esque monster that's like this too, or something. Where yeah. I just think of like that grotesque, like literal, like the um, what's it called? Like the insect queens that have like the large, like pulsing, um, yeah, 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 like like egg laying yeah. part, and then like a humanoid top on it or something. Mm. Um, pretty crazy. Yeah, and seems really. I forgot to mention in the recap, a couple of them are pretty beat up too. Yeah, yeah. After that, after so, that first encounter, they were all pretty rough, and I, there a lot of healing went out, but like mm -hmm. everyone was pretty close. So they're like they're out of a bunch of resources as far as this next encounter is going. Yeah. But to circle back to what you actually asked me, and I just started talking about anglerfish. Uh, I I liked the episode. Um, again, back back to the beginning of this episode, it was the first non Robbie ep and um you know I don't think anyone out there is glad Robbie's gone but it was it was still a great up and it you know sure we all I wish Robbie was there but you know it's reminded me of this Classic. these are the people you know I fell in love with and the show's still going to be good and you know hopefully he comes back and we get other guests but uh loved the up you know I was part of me was expecting uh, what's the word just to I expected to be more uh, like I would Robbie's absence to be noticed more than it was that. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It butchered me to get that sentence out. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. I was definitely sad he was leaving, but it did feel like a typical, you know, it's great that obviously a, a beloved character person added a lot to the camaraderie of the table. Um, but it is nice that um, it's not like, Oh, uh, wow. It really doesn't feel like critical role anymore. Yeah. You know, it feels like classic critical role. So, yeah. 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 You said that better than I could. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> In half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, I, I really liked the episode. Uh, FCG's therapy session, just that whole, that whole yeah, scene was, was so great. And um, we're finally kind of chugging away at this, one of these central mysteries that we've had basically since the beginning. Um, you know, whatever this slug creature is, is clearly what created Duggar, what created Emoth and uh, perhaps it's machinations or what they've been up to this whole time. It'll be interesting to see if, if that creature, I'm just going to call it slug creature for the time being is part like of yeah. like Armand's plan. Or if this is its own, is, is this related to the nightmare King at all? Or is this just its own entity that is, doing something i mean clearly it's related to armand because he sectioned the mine off and is paying for it to be left alone but right. i'm just curious like what what the the whole story is there which i'm sure everyone is but yeah armand's either like a totally crazy evil 
dude with like all sorts of like machinations and things happening at the same time, like a lot of irons in the fire. Or, you know, I can also see it being like, you know, he's being manipulated with, you know, hey, and by the way, like you make sure you keep this mind closed and don't ask why. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's involved heavily for sure. It's kind of crazy. And in the Paragon's call too, you know? Yeah. So. so and it's like, well, first, I mean, what what did you, what were your thoughts on the episode before I keep I diving? loved it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was a great, I mean, naturally we say this every time, but great <laughs> episode. Um, definitely for like episode 15, which in my head was like a kind of a milestone. Um, it was definitely one of my favorites. Um, so many great moments, so many funny moments too. Yeah. But um, the, it, it, it resolved the complaint I had from the previous episode, which was we talked about, okay, where do we go from here? Like, and you even said like, yeah, there's not really any leads from here. And it's like, yeah, I guess they go to the heart more. And what I had said in our previous episode discussion was, you know, it feels like we're heading towards a climax and it just feels a little off to now like table that and okay, now we're going to pursue like kind of a totally different storyline. And I said, you know what? The pacing just feels weird to me because it feels like we were heading towards a climactic moment. Yeah. Uh, and they resolved that completely. They, they dug deeper into um, the caves of the course fire and seemed to be coming to a head with this slug like creature, uh, which is very satisfying to me. It's, yeah. it's a, um, it's like, yeah, that's what I wanted was for the storyline to continue and I have this sense that even though like not every angle is going to be covered in terms of like all the different threads that have been happening after this next episode, I feel a lot better now if episode you know, 17, two episodes from now, is them now, okay, let's head to the heart more. Um, yeah. I feel a lot better about that. And so really like the episode, love the pacing of it, loved the dialogue and the combat. And I'm really excited for next episode. I think it's going to be crazy. Me too, man. And again, that's another great thing about uh, getting to this late is like I get to we have this great discussion and then the next episode's tomorrow. So I'm excited that we don't have long to wait. Um, okay. Uh, and not to, not to stall too long on this one slug creature, but kind of back to what I was saying on how it fits into this greater plan. Obviously, we know nothing about this, but this seems like a like a monstrosity, like an evil, like yeah. it's. And mm-hmm. so, how how did that get roped in, like a political, you know, like how how is he controlling that monster? And maybe he's not. And maybe he's just kind of. That's yeah, and that's almost why I feel. I wonder if like Lady Emoth is sort of like the manipulator who went to Armand and convinced him hey i need you to close this or something because we know they're paired in Mm, some way so armand really doesn't kind of know what's going on armand kind of you know just to do like a gamer reference armand kind of in my mind is kind of like a president shinra like definitely evil and does a bunch of evil stuff but like doesn't quite fully grasp like his president shinra in final fantasy 7 didn't fully understand like the depth of evil that was genova um, yeah. he doesn't really quite know what he has. And so I don't know like the full scope of what he knows in terms of like the presence of this monstrosity, but I do wonder if it's more of like that selfish ambition, evil ambition without even realizing, you know, it's the classic, um, you know, the warlock that summons Jaraxxus <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then Jaraxxus stomps on him or whatever happens. Right. And so I don't know, you know, I, I, it feels, it would feel a bit surprising if he is like, like yeah, I'm ever, I'm all these things, boss. I you know the Nightmare King reports to me, the Slug reports to me. Um, it could be possible. I don't know. What's your take? I, I think I kind of agree with you that I think Armand his goal is at least on the surface, from what we know right now, is he's trying to up his station in life. He was he's the black sheep of his family, and he's right. he's trying to make something happen. Whether that's get on the quorum or whatever, that's his goal. And I think he's right. throwing all these rocks in the fire or coals in the fire whatever the phrase is to you know <laughs> cause this <laughs> irons in the fire to yeah. cause this chaos to get the paragon's call and you know whatever yeah. his ultimate plan is for that but i think that's his idea and so i think he's just kind of like shotgun blasting these things not really knowing what 
what those individual things are going to do. Yeah. Like the Nightmare King clearly has his own agenda, I think. And so I think this slug creature does too, you know, or Emoth if Armand doesn't know of the slug creature. So I think you're right that um, they're just kind of using each other because they both, they can, not the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but like, we'll work together because we're both getting benefit from it. And, you know, you may not know yeah. what I'm getting out of it, but I'll use you. Yeah. And, the, you know, the fuzzy detail for me is Duggar and Lady Emoth getting connected to Slug Lady. Like, yeah, I'm wondering like the steps there. Like we know, we know the connection between the two of them, that Lady Emoth had done some work with the Corsairs. Duggar was with the Corsairs. Right. We know Duggar disappeared, like left for a while, and then came back different, came back weird, presumably, you Kick, know. You know, whatever jelly, this thing did to him, yeah. Yeah, jelly personified. Um, and we know that Lady Emoth, they hadn't done work with her also until um, Robbie's brother, um, you know, they talked about doing something or something to right. that effect. Um, and we know that she was on a mission at the ball to steal some stuff from um what's his name i can't remember but yeah uh, the Greece. guy the the headmaster yeah yeah right so i'm curious about um you know if i guess the way i, I play it out of my head is armand obviously is creating chaos seems to be making a move for power and authority or what have you in some way maybe understands that he has like this slug person um, seems to have access to these creatures. Think about the um, the dreamscape theater where the right. the creature, the mimic type creature was placed. Um, he takes Lady Emoth, maybe goos her um, phrasing. She becomes, you know, a jelly person. <laughs> and then maybe she, Emoth knows Duggar through association says, hey, I got a job for you. And. He gets gooed also. I, I don't know, but I'm I've been trying to like piece all that together in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is kind of an aside, but want to get your pulse on this. The cocoon part that we heard about reminds me of what's happening in our D and D campaign. And I'm wondering if that is what's happening in our campaign. And they're like, I don't, I didn't. So, just to get everyone on the same page in our D and D campaign, we came across a guy that was in a cocoon similar to this. Um, and so I'm, I, I haven't looked anything up because I don't want to like spoil stuff for the campaign I'm in. So I'm sure some people probably can hear this stuff and know exactly what creature, like I'm sure Matt kind of homebrewed it, but there's probably like a, like a starter creature that maybe cocoons things that I'm sure those of you that are more knowledgeable in D and D are like, Ooh, I bet that's like what this is. And, um, so I'm wondering if like, I'm losing my own train of thought here, but one, I, I'm wondering if there's the same thing. And two, if, if, okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm going wild now. So <laughs> I just, I think I'm now team that Armand definitely doesn't know what, what's going on there i think that whether emoth approached him or he approached her i think he doesn't know about the slug creature and i think that maybe it's i don't know uh, this well, is going nowhere but i don't know i'm, yeah, I'm having a bunch of ideas that the thing that i wonder is if, if he's the decision maker then he seems to have an an access to monstro monstrous creatures both the mimic and the slug if he's like if he hiring people, slug. right. If he's hiring people who like the nightmare King, who's sort of like, you know, you have no idea the spider web of things that I'm doing. Right. Then he's throwing his money. He's throwing his money in a direction that those then entities that he's putting, pouring money into are unbeknownst to him are, you know, um, I don't say are doing evil things like he knows that, but like he doesn't know the full like yeah. expanse of all the things that are happening there. And I don't really know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Cause it seems like, it seems like he's a central figure for the mimic, for the slug, for people being bit of presumably the Paragon's call to become right. werewolves. Right. Um, oh bro. I didn't, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, the Paragon's Call itself with General Ratanish. Um, the Nightmare King. I mean, there's a lot of things that he's the central figure for. He came to the ball with Lady Emoth as his date. And, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. And he's. I'm, I'm wondering if he's just evil crazy dude or if he's like evil crazy and also like secret secretly you know he's going to become like the green goblin like <laughs> he's going to eat something take something and become like the big bad for now or something hmm. yeah i i don't know i i forgot that uh i forgot the werewolf thing which i wonder if Sorry, my my mind's kind of going different places. I'm trying not to just spew without a filter what I'm thinking, but we know that that presumably the Paragon's call were the ones volunteering and getting bitten, right? And we right. already know their connection. They're trying to come into the city. We know that Ajit is well, we don't know, but we think he's part of that that organization, right? That uh, I forgot what they're called, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ajit was there at the party with Grease. Yeah. And Grease is whose room they were going through. So I wonder if there's any like connection right. there. Like, because if Ajit is like this guy that's part of an organization that makes sure werewolves don't like make sure they stay in the line, then if these are all brand new werewolves again out of the out of regulations, then that's that's probably a central conflict they might want to nip in the bud or something. Is it weird to you that we haven't heard the Ivory Syndicate mentioned since like episode two? <laughs> like it yeah. seems like the, it seems like so much of this stuff is like big picture evil, like you know, not not just political intrigue, but like there's some crazy stuff happening. Apparently, so much that like citizens and like random people are being like, this place kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, the Green Seekers in with Gus and Ollie, like in their first conversation with the group, they're like. Yeah, we're just, we're we've been hired to kind of figure out all the crazy stuff happening around here. Um, I guess I'm just surprised that we had the name drop of this really shadowy, what Estros frames as like seemingly morally evil group, and we haven't really had any mention of them since. Nods to them. I almost kind of wonder did we did Matt forget about them? I mean, obviously not with like the way he world builds, but surely one of these groups have to be at least shoulder to shoulder associated with the ivory syndicate. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's for sure possible. Uh, I wouldn't, but you know, Matt is a deep world builder, so it could also just be part of that living, breathing world and has its own function. But for whatever reason, it's not forward facing in the story that hell's bells are going through right now you know so i think yeah i'm sure we'll hear is or it, see something bells, about hell's them. or hell's bells oh i actually don't know i've seen people say both yeah i don't what did i just say i don't even uh <laughs> bells hells okay yeah, yeah I, I don't know which one it is <laughs> i've seen both um yeah okay but yeah so i mean i i imagine we'll see something about them but i don't think i'm not under the impression that that's like a Chekhov's gun waiting to explode either though like to me it was just a cool piece of the socioeconomic layer of Drusar. And so maybe we'll see something with it. Maybe we won't, but um, it is, I mean, it is interesting that it, it was brought up so early and it's been crickets ever since. Um, Right. Yeah. But something you mentioned earlier that I wanted to touch back on um, the green seekers, what they said, and if that was a clue, like if that was a slip and they, uh, they were yeah. working for the the quorum, right? Is that what they said? Yeah, yeah. Which we do know that, at least according to Eshros, the quorum is not like wholesale evil. Like there's bad members, but there's supposedly you know some people that want what's right for everyone as well. So if that wasn't a slip, then perhaps they were hired by a member and one of the the noble members, um, which would be interesting. I think that would be kind of cool if we do. You know, so far it's it's all been seeming like, oh, we got to find these evil people. But it would be cool if there were some new players that were also like good guys to find out about. Um, I probably, in my mind, they're like two thirds evil. <laughs> like, yeah. Astros doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of them. 
Going back to the Ivory Syndicate, it was mentioned that there's some presumption that some members of the Ivory Syndicate are working hand in hand with the quorum, mm-hmm. um, you know, and even are being um, sort of promoted, like their efforts are being promoted by the quorum. Um, so yeah, and, and then also, you know, I guess the natural assumption would be like, oh, the Green Seekers, they seem like good people so obviously like their bosses presumably are good people like they must be doing like good things but there's even the conversation where um in the original conversation with the the group ashton sort of is like like what are you guys like what are you guys trying to do mm-hmm. and ollie and gus are like well we're just trying to do the right thing and ashton's like that's doesn't that doesn't mean anything right um and by the way the, basically the way the conversation goes is ollie says yeah, like either we are doing the right thing or we realize what our boss is doing and we don't take their gold, we take them to gr- we take them to jail. And so it the impression I got was it wouldn't be unheard of for one of their employers to be actually like for them to realize, hey, this isn't this actually isn't good yeah. work that you're having us do and like so like manipulating them. Yeah, and so all that to say like the if it is a revelation that they are working for the quorum it wouldn't like make me be like, oh yeah, okay. So the quorum's you know holistically good, right? I would go back to my you know all that to say, I'd go back to my original comment like I have the sense of like two thirds evil, <laughs> you know, yeah. like a a, a Lord Esteros esque person who's like just trying to hold it together. Which now that we're talking about this, I know we we've learned a little bit about like how the quorum works from Esteros. I think a few episodes back. Um, but do we know if the quorum knows each other? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that of like the Elite Eight. Do they know each other's identity or is it like, you know, everyone has, you're meeting at like a conference center and everyone has like their own room and they, yeah, you know, scribble a vote and like put it through a slip on the door or something. I yeah. Or they all like communicate through Gavis or through proxies or something. But I do remember, and I don't have this like in front of me, so I might be a little wrong here. But when Estros was explaining, there were like, it was like you would get killed. Like even when you're not a member anymore, you still have to maintain the secrecy or like punishable by death. So right. it seems like they would maybe know each other or else you wouldn't really have to keep the secret because you wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? But I don't yeah. know. Um, well, I think that was also like once you retire, you can't ever be like, "Hey, I was a I was a member of the quorum." Like right. You have to stay in like silence of it. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. So that could be it. You just can't reveal that you were. And you still mm. might not know who the other ones were. So yeah. Um, I wonder if. Do you think that Estros could be a member? Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, could be. I I had two thoughts there. Like one that he's a member and just that's it at face value, like not that he's evil or anything, but just he's been a member this whole time. Um but two that he's a member and he is e- evil's too strong of a word. I'm not saying it's black and white, but he is a member and he is like doesn't have noble things at heart like he has claimed that uh I'm not saying I think that, but I just had those thoughts like, ooh, what if there was like this big double cross coming? Um, I'd say, you know, know, I'd say if there is, then Matt's done a great job, you know, pulling one over us. Um, Because, you know, in terms of like pure writing, there hasn't been like stereotypical, like, um, you know, Estros gets the ring and begins to like cackle. (laughs) And everyone's kind of like, uh. My precious. You good, good, bro? (laughs) So, uh, I, but yeah, I guess nothing's impossible, right? Um, you know, total naivety embraced. I'd say that he seems like a good dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I do I too. Don't know. I, I still think that there's, I don't know if he was in love mm-hmm. with Mistress Prudage yeah, or more something. More of the story, for yeah, sure. Yeah, more there. And I don't know. Obviously, I mean, the man lives crazily. Like, he had traps under his breakfast table. Like, right. That, that, I mean, it could easily just be things from his past that he's worried about, but it could also be member of the quorum, like being ultra, ultra safe and paranoid. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. Like the level of security he has 
like where he sits, there's weapons mm-hmm. under the table for him to quickly grab. Yeah. Like I kind of wonder like what's happened in his past that it's not just like a like an alarm system, but like every room has extensive <laughs> Yeah, like um, like to a crazy amount. Like you like follow my steps exactly when we go up the stairs, you know, like Right. So again, there could be a million things that would warrant him living like that, but one possibility to me is that he's a member and is just taking that extra carefully. All right, I feel like I should just get on the record here cuz I'm waffling. I don't think Estros is evil. <laughs> so nobody, you know, yell at me for that down the road. But I do think he might be a member secretly. Now I'm waiting for someone to clip this with like one of our past <laughs> thumbnails. If you go on like, and like it says like Estros evil question Confirmed. mark like in all caps. Yeah. Confirmed <laughs> evil vampire. Just typical like YouTube clickbait. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry. I, I kind of went down a wrong, uh, not wrong, but long path there. I'm kind of forgetting where we started. Uh Oh, but yeah, the Green Seekers. I guess to cycle all the way back, do you think that that was like a a slip? Or do you think that was just, hey, that's how we can get this guy to open the door, saying that, you know, we're here on quorum business. So like, you know, basically, hey, we're the FBI, basically. Yeah. I don't know, because um, the party didn't really react to it. So yeah. like, they were like, ooh, that's a reveal. Um I kind of felt like I was the only one who like noticed it where I was, I mean, I watched it alone. So <laughs> I was kind of like, Oh, was that, was that a reveal? Like, what was that? So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I do think that, I mean, clearly Matt is human and is capable of just slipping up. Um, but the green seekers do seem like of a certain professional level where like they wouldn't let that slip unintentionally, you know? But mm-hmm. I don't know. It was interesting to see that, you know, he just straight up broke the dude's fingers. So, like, they're not just this, like, you know, do everything by the books, very noble organization that, you know, not does does things right. Like, he was willing to get kind of in the mud and right. not torture, but kind of to get the information yeah. they needed. So, I thought that was kind of an interesting insight to their organization because previously I just viewed them as, like, cops but you know like noble cops i guess i don't know yeah and obviously they can hang also i mean you know casting fireball like these are yeah um like i think it was laudan or someone when he when gus broke um shotan's fingers was like like that could have been us um yeah it's yeah. kind of a joke but like also seeing like the combat proficiency of them you kind of get the sense of like yeah these people they are you know they're not totally like just random people who are also cops. Yeah. But like these are people who can, you know, do what needs to be done and maybe have had to make even questionable decisions for the greater good. Who knows? Yeah. And I mean, I think that could have been them. Like that conversation in the park goes a different way. I think they would have tried to like arrest them and, you know, the party probably wouldn't just let themselves be arrested. So I'm sure they would have fought. Um, it's but- good that this group is like, you know, we know there's like the running joke of like hobo killers. This group just has like a very relaxed vibe. Like they're always kind of yeah. vibing. They're like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was totally us. Like we were there. Yeah. But we didn't blow it up, but you know. Um, uh, yeah, I was actually surprised by that. I think the cast, somebody in the cast even mentioned it that like said, oh my gosh, like we were honest and it's it's like working. Because <laughs> yeah, like in the past, they definitely are. I mean, I don't want to broad stroke say how they acted, but like. I could easily see them like have being defensive and lying in that situation. So it was, I think that could have played out entirely differently. And it's, it's interesting that we got what we got. And part of me just from like a mechanics and balance standpoint, wonder like what level those two green seekers are, because if that, if that had been an encounter, that's like what two V six, they're probably pretty strong, probably higher level than, hell's bells bells hells yeah i don't know i mean i think i think you can get i think you get fireball at level five i think um maybe level six i don't remember so they could be about the same level um but uh but yeah which speaking of we haven't had a level up in um 
a while. So we also might be heading after next episode, presuming they defeat Slug Lady and hopefully no one dies. Um, maybe we see a level up in the near future. I could see that. What we, we are? What level are we? Level five. Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six is a, a le- six is a big one, right? Or no? I think level five or is five extra, the big one. I think five is a big one. I'm trying to think of extra attack. I think Orem got extra attack at five. Mm. Um, so I think it's, I don't know what's in six, but I think five was pretty big. What level are we in our campaign? Do you know? Six. Okay. I know as a bard, I got some big stuff at six. So I'm, yeah. that's all I can really remember. Let's take a look here. Oh, oh. that's another ASI ability score. Oh, nice. So. Or a feat, I guess, right? Or no, yeah, that's... right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, green Seekers, I think, could be really powerful. But I also think it's probably... Like, that's one of the things as a DM you would kind of adjust on the fly. Like, if that had gone poorly, they would probably be a bit stronger so that there would be somewhat of an actual fight. 2v6 but now that they're allies you know they might be nerfed a little bit you know so they're not going to go in here and one shot this slug without any real stakes you know yeah yeah and by the way i did just look it up um six level for fighter is another asi looks like or uh martial feat everyone else looks like they get a um, special class feature um exciting so just looking at it yeah, um, I'm really eager to see how this combat goes. I and mean, this is like a pretty ghastly creature. And um, I'm also just excited for fan artists to, um, you know, kind of put together their their take on it. Um, 60 feet is pretty long. I'm wondering also what, what what this battle map's going to look like. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, 60 feet is really long. Mm-hmm. Now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. And I guess they're probably, I mean, they... I guess it could really go either way, but they're probably in a pretty cramped area being down in these mines. 60 feet's massive. It's yeah. like, it's a, it's a massive creature. I mean, you're talking about, um, it's like, it's, that's 12 squares on a map, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it's five feet each, yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. It's insane. I wonder, I just wonder how the mechanics of this fight are going to go. Like, cause it, it was, it was like on a wall, right? Wasn't it, it was like on crawling the around? Maybe and like was coming down the wall or something. So we've got the slug, we've got Emoth, probably some shade creepers, and potentially other cocooned people that may yeah. join the fray. Other pod people. Yeah. yeah. And then we have the bead that Ollie has. That's oh yeah, that's like a mind control. Something type like of that. Thing? that. If I can get close to her, she's gonna be at our beck and call. Right, right. That was before they knew the slug was there. So I wonder if they'll... I wonder if it would work on the slug or if that's even uh, a good I'm, idea. I'm wondering if it's like a um, a reagent for a, a spell is kind of what he's yeah. saying. Like Rather than being like a magical item. Um, so. Yeah, it could be that or, or it could be like a the spell is stored in it. Like oh, a, right, yeah. Like a type of thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. So that'll be interesting hopefully it doesn't backfire or something <laughs> yeah um i'm just looking at reagents and then yeah, this uh, isn't really explicitly relate related to what we're talking about but one thing i wanted to mention was that they are like deep underground since they were riding that tram for like 15 to 20 minutes like even if it was going at a snail's pace that is a very long time to just be <laughs> descending like so whatever these machinations are like what are they doing down there and again we know that they were at least duggar was dealing with broomstone so like tinfoil hat on i'm wondering still if these pillars are going to be like lifted up into the sky or or just exploded or something if if broomstone can yeah and maybe slug lady was put there to guard you know the most precious part of the plan, which is where all the broomstones being stored. I don't know. Yeah. Which like a it, it cere- wasn't... Cere- cerebrus. Yeah. Yeah. Cerebrus yeah. Kind of type of deal. I was actually thinking that when you were saying that, um, 
there wasn't any mention of Broomstone, though, right? Like, they haven't seen any on the way down or anything that Matt mentioned. It hasn't been mentioned since Duggar, really. Um, so it hasn't come up, I don't think, or um, at least not like as a major discussion yeah. point. And they haven't run into it again either. So Right. Well, I mean, we might not get any answers if there's just combat and death, but we might be finally finding some stuff out now that we're deep in the... They're getting a lot of gold, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Especially Chetney. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so they... I mean, they have bought a few things, I guess. Like mm. at, at Marwa's and... Um, I want to see... I'm trying to think, okay... They haven't been to like a magic shop proper though in a long time, right? The last time they were at was just when they bought those sending stones. And I don't even know if that was like a magic shop proper. It was just that guy that like Ashton knew. Yeah, right. Because I would love to see, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I actually really loved Marwa's, the whole aesthetic of that like ship and just like big fan. But I would be interested to see like a like a proper arcane shop and see like what kind of fun items they might pick up. But it also kind of feels like maybe that, that type of shop's not in Drusar and it might be when they go somewhere else to kind of have that experience if they do it all. Yeah. And I think maybe as like a, a DM also, it takes a little bit, um, I guess it can feel kind of gimmicky also to like go to a store and it's like, here's like the eight things you can buy, you know, with varying levels of power and instead making it more of like a um, like what he did with Marwa's ship. It's kind of like a pawn shop-esque of like, yeah, here's what I can find. And yeah. I guess it kind of removes a bit of the expectation on like, you know, like my players, they went to their first magic shop a couple episodes ago or a couple sessions ago. And it's like, okay, what, what cool stuff's here? What's here? What's here? And yeah. I was just kind of like, uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> we have this item. Um, did you just make, Did you just pull some stuff out of a hat or did you have it? I had already I had already done it, but um, I could just tell like what they were expecting was like um, yeah, is there like a plus two longsword for like yeah, they, hundred gold? They're expecting you know? and just you're Walmart. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I mean, it was fine, but um, I kind of like the way Matt's done it so far, and that that hasn't been like a. Um, it feels like a more appropriate progression of like player power in that. It's not yeah. like, okay, get some gold, now go back to the shop, buy your upgrades, go back to right. some more adventures. It's like it just it just I guess so far I've really appreciated it. I'm not against there being a shop and I'm not I'm excited for when they go to a shop, but um all that to say, I'm interested to see kind of where this gold goes because um it seems like they've been getting a lot of it and then not really having big outlets to spend it on. Um so yeah, I mean, maybe they buy themselves like a their own tower or something, or like apartment complex or something, or are there investments? I don't know. So yeah, there's there's some stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Matt Matt does a pretty good job, or at least he has in the past campaigns too, of the kind of magic item. Uh, well, I don't know what the word, but Supply. like, yeah, like making it not seem like how you just described, where it's like get money, go buy, get money, go buy type of thing. So. I uh I I I guess I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I, I like how he handles it. And uh yeah, I it does at le again at least Chetney, but I guess a lot of them probably have at least a chunk of change, but we know Chetney has a whole lot cuz he's gotten like three things of platinum all to himself. Um well when he robbed the uh business licensure commissioner person, wasn't that like 60 platinum or something or in the moon tower? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wasn't that weren't there like there were two things that he found there? I think, I think it was like yeah, 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 right. So yeah, he so, yeah, he has a lot He's of loaded. money. <laughs> they spent a lot on um, Artana Vo, the bounty hunter. That's true. So yeah. There was that, but um, otherwise, yeah, yeah. They bought a few potions, but yeah, I think they definitely, especially combined wealth. I think they're sitting pretty nice. Um, and not to just completely ramble, ramble aimlessly here, but I am excited for them to hopefully at some point return to, um, oh, I want to say Essex, but that that's not it. Uh, Advic. Right? Uh, Is that his name? Which one, which one was Advic? He was like the creepy bird guy that was like crawling on the ceiling. Advic maybe wasn't his name, but I think Advic was... 
the person they never actually got to. Okay, yeah. In the like subway esque yeah, system, yeah, they, they were, yeah, because they came across the yeah. Shadow Baker who sent them on his way. Um, I think it was like an Essex or Essex or something. Yeah, Essex um, is from Campaign Two, so that's I can't get like that out of my head. So I can't remember. It's something but you know like what I'm talking about, right? That, yeah. Uh huh. Right. Um. Not. I mean, it seemed like he sold some stuff. I'm not. He he wasn't like a shopkeeper, but I felt like he had some. Like, didn't even like Ashton buy something from him? Or maybe I not. don't remember. I remember him as kind of like a gossipy kind of creature. Yeah. Oh, um, you know what it was? Ashton just gave him money. I think it was to right. like appease yeah. him or something. But anyway, I just it's kind of a weird segue from shopkeepers to him but it just reminded me of him and i want to see him again whatever his name was yeah yeah well crazy stuff man and it looks like like i said that next episode we might have um did the party do they ever come across in like past campaigns something like this and then be like yeah we're gonna deal with that later like let's peace let's out. out of here yeah um like is that an option for next episode like could they retreat or it's definitely i mean they could certainly try as matt likes to say um i'm trying to think if they've ever been like like basically combat started essentially i mean they haven't like rolled initiative but like everyone knows everyone else is there and like they've been fighting each other so i don't know if they've ever been like that deep into a confrontation and then pieced um but you know retreat's definitely an option it might be difficult since they're a 20 minute tram ride down and this <laughs> slug can probably crawl faster than that thing can go but i, I mean we'll like, see yeah i think one of them being like wait let me explain and then like the community <laughs> with donald glover um, <laughs> let me explain and like can't come up with anything but and then we just and cut then, and they're all drinking tea and they become best friends maybe yeah yeah and i'm really like a bit apprehensive too because i really don't want to see anyone die either because like I really like each character's story. Me too. Um, Me this too. feels like a really. It, I felt the same with the Nightmare King, but then once they got into it, it didn't feel like as tense. With this situation, a bunch of Shade Creepers, Lady Emoth, and Slug Queen, I I feel pretty nervous for them. Yeah, and I mean they're all depleted too, you know. So, I mean I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think. I hope, I mean, fingers crossed this doesn't happen, but I think this could easily be a deadly encounter for, for someone, you know, maybe hope not. Hopefully it's a green seeker before it's a party, but you know, I could definitely see someone dying. So we'll see. And then we were levels five, right? You said, so no, nobody has resurrection. I don't think at this, at this stage, maybe one of the green seekers does for all we know. But, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Ah. That yeah, would still be would be very much a problem if it happened at this stage. So, yeah, well, twenty four hours just over, and we'll uh, we'll find out. Are you going to watch it live tomorrow night? Uh, I think so. I, if I don't think I have anything else that would prevent me. Um, so assuming it's not like a ten hour episode, I might I'll try to watch the whole thing uh, tomorrow. Yeah, what yeah, about you? Me. You got plans? Are you going to try to watch live? Uh, we'll have some family in town, but they don't come in, I think till Friday. So we're going to, I'm going to try to buckle down and see it, but we'll see. All right, bro. And I know this I, is I, kiddo's birthday Friday, so I want to not stay up too late on Thursday. Well, that's exciting. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never birthday. Yeah. I could, I confuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is unrelated from critical role. Um, but have you seen Batman yet? No, is it out? Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I want to. Oh uh, wow, I need to see it. Yeah. Wow. I don't. You we should see, go see it. Yeah, I don't know. We've never, we've never done a movie, have we? We've done like Marvel movies. We have. We've done shows. I don't know if we've ever done a movie. Did we not do Shang Chi? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. I guess we have a movie. <laughs> well, so we. I still. We we need to do some movies. So maybe Batman. Uh, we need to do some games, man. Bro, you need to play Elden Ring, man. <laughs> yeah. It's is awesome. I, it's good? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely, as you know, like a From Software game can make you want to smash your head against a wall. So there's definitely that, but it's an awesome game. Great. I, yeah. would, I would highly recommend it. 
how uh, how far along, like how close to the end do you think you are? Uh, I mean, in the, the surface or in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably pretty close, but I bet I still maybe have 20 or 20 to 40 hours of stuff to do still. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I'm, if I were just to like rush to the final boss or whatever, I could probably be done pretty quick, but the way I'm playing of like exploring everything and I think I still yeah. have a, a decent chunk left. Yeah, right, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, if anyone below has seen Batman or is playing Elden Ring, obviously, spoiler free, but we'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts on those as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's do a thumbnail. What do you want to do? Uh, hmm. I keep just thinking creepy slug lady, but I don't really know how that that translates necessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that, again, it, not now. I need to remember to talk to you about this later so we can actually talk about it but I, I have an idea for some thumbnails okay yeah but it cool. doesn't it doesn't help us in the moment right now <laughs> it doesn't help us in, <laughs> thank you Bill. it doesn't help us in this moment but <laughs> um, yeah let's do uh i'm thinking like something combat related or like um you know interrogating um shotan or um ogdis and gus i, okay. I don't know i, I so. like i like like an interrogation like one of, like like sternly like I don't know. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you yeah. would do necessarily, but I'll I'll hold my hand or something. Okay. You know. So, all right. Okay. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Killed it. Yep. All right. Well, for you guys watching, uh, let us know in the comments what you thought about the episode. Uh, don't be a stranger. We'll be catching episode sixteen tomorrow night, and then uh, look for our episode sometime over the weekend. And uh, like I said, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you later. Yeah. See ya. Have a good one, y'all.